Hello, and welcome to the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. This is Chris Baca, and I am not sitting with Jared Truby, but he is on the other side of the U.S., and by other side, I mean up in Portland, but he is sitting next to Sarah Allen and Ken Olson, the editor, co-founder, and publisher, respectively, of the fabulous Barista Magazine. What's up, guys? What's up? Thanks for having us. Dude, thank you for having us. Thank you for having Jared and Charles over at BMAG HQ. And thanks for the Portland Trailblazers game last night. You're welcome for the overtime win. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Damian Lillard gives all the credit to you. All 41 it's a good points. luck charm. Yeah. Oh, 41? Yeah, he was hot. That's not bad. It's not. He's good at the basketballing. He's good at the balling. I heard he was pro. Is that true? Straight He's out of Weaver pro. State. <laughs> Weber State. Yeah, fun fact, uh, my mom graduated from Weber State. Also, she's good at the bowling. What? <laughs> she definitely that, balls so hard. The, no. That could be taken in a million different weird ways. Some Only good, some good ways. Only good ways. It's Only radiation ball ways. <laughs> so, guys, this could go in a thousand different directions, but I want to steer this thing right off the bat. We've all known each other for a really long time. And we're all like really good friends, so this could easily turn into casual conversation. But I just wanna, I just wanna get kicking if you guys are down with that. And we're I ready. wanna, I wanna hear, I wanna hear about the inception of Barista Magazine. I know that it's been around since 2005. I think was the first year. Am I correct yep. about that? Yep. How did that start? How do you end up a starting a magazine? And B, starting a magazine about specialty coffee. Because at the time, this specialty coffee wasn't really a household name. It wasn't a buzzword like it is today. Talk about that a little bit. Okay. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to condense this as much as I can. So I met Ken before we even started Braced Magazine or before I was writing about coffee. And we both have backgrounds in journalism. And... Um, and I left mainstream newspaper writing and got a job at a different coffee magazine called Fresh Cup, where I was the editor. And I was there for about a year. And while I was there, I totally fell in love with coffee culture. And I also started hearing about barista competitions, which had just started. Dismas had just won the North American Barista Championship. Um, it wasn't even the USBC yet. And I would tell Ken about this stuff after work. And he actually ended up doing some freelance writing and photography for Fresh Cup. And, um, and we're just like, there is such a, such a need for um, a resource for baristas, for this community of people that's so super dynamic and smart and creative and fun. And, um, and so also when I was working at Fresh Cup, I was like, I'd only worked at big companies, big newspapers, and to see a small business run and also getting to know roasters and cafe owners, like small businesses, like we could do this. And oh. <laughs> and uh and we were young and stupid. And it's easy, right? We, yeah, we didn't know we so anyway, so we're like, okay, we need to like get some street cred with baristas a little bit or just like work closer with them. And so I got a job at Zoka um, doing some communications work in Seattle and also ended up working with Stephen Vick closely on training the baristas. And so I stayed there for about one year and then Ken and I are like, let's do it. And so we decided to start Barista Magazine and we did it with 
credit cards and loans from our parents and we ate top ramen for a really long time and we love it. It's like our dream job. We get to work together every day. We get to write about this amazing community. Um, so yeah, that was 11 years ago. That is awesome. That's BMAG history in about two and a half minutes. (laughs) So the main takeaway that I'm getting for all of our listeners here really quickly is if you want to start a business, you need credit cards, loans from your parents and top ramen. Yep. That's the ultimate checklist. Cool. I'd Got actually it. say Shin Ramen. Oh, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I would also throw out there you you need to be fairly ignorant. <laughs> you, like borderline insane, maybe. Definitely, definitely because the the, no the, idea what we're the concept that you can actually go ahead and that it's gonna work out, like you have to have such bizarrely placed faith in yourself and uh belief that it's it's really shocking to me that it all worked out. <laughs> yeah, actually, when we made the final payment to my parents back, because we've paid everybody back, and my dad actually said, he's like, you know, no offense, but I really never thought we'd see this money again. <laughs> and you're like, I wish you would have told me that earlier. Yeah, seriously. I'm like, well, thanks, I guess, for having faith in us. But um, so, so yeah, that's the story. What were some of the, like the more memorable breakthroughs early on where you were, you know, you're going and you're struggling and then you have like a, a dynamic win where you're just like, whoa, this is, this could get some traction. Like things are happening. Well, I should mention too that we had, for whatever reason, we had amazing timing. Um, the community is, the existence of it and growth of it. Um, I know that we pay, played some role in that, but it was off and running like you know, not long after we started. And so we were just very lucky that this, like the BGA was just forming back then and everything. Um, But I would say like our best times, especially, I mean, now too, but especially in the early days is when we would get to events. I mean, whether it was like a gathering of coffee people, because throwdowns weren't happening back then. Um, It was gathering coffee people like at a bar or if it was at a CAA when people would tell us that the magazine meant something to them or they felt like it legitimized their career or I, that stuff is like really what keeps me going every day is it's just, wow, this is something that really matters to people and helps them and makes them even crazier about coffee than they already were. And that's the best feeling. Well, it was an interesting time when you guys were launching because I think you were the only kind of media source that was playing at the baristas. You've got other coffee magazines and you've got some things that are maybe geared towards roasters or maybe geared towards cafe owners, but not a lot of people were writing stuff that was geared towards baristas, even though now we see a lot of the coffee cultures being driven by baristas. It wasn't really like that in 2005. It was starting to happen, but it wasn't a thing necessarily. So for me, it kind of resonated with me in that way. Like, oh, people care about people that make espresso? That's cool. I can get into that. Well, that was our goal. Uh, when we, when Sarah pitched this idea of a magazine, uh, 2005, even though things were different in coffee, things in print media at that time, you know, the writing was on the wall that big changes were coming magazines general interest magazines were struggling newspapers continued to struggle they were struggling then so the idea of launching a print magazine in 2005 seemed kind of bonkers but we thought 
what would distinguish our magazine and why it would succeed was we were going to focus on the people and the community because ultimately people like to feel that they're a part of a community and they want to be involved in that community. And so we thought if a magazine would reflect uh, the back to the people that were part of that community, it might be successful. And I think what we've seen in the time since, as far as the media goes, is that people-based media or communities is still successful. Social media is all taken off because it allows people to interact with each other and feel like they're connected. And, you know, we did that with the magazine purposefully and it sort of symbiotically and helpfully also reflects what the coffee community was going through, which is, you know, making these connections that span the globe to bring amazing coffees to consumers. What was the process like for you guys in falling in love with coffee? I mean, you were, you were at a publication and was that, was that process brought to life through Zoka or was it already kind of happening and, and Zoka was kind of a catalyst for bringing you to the next level or, you know, talk a little bit about that. You're so involved with coffee these days. It's like, I can only imagine how many different styles of coffees you're sent all the time. I mean, it's, it's gotta be a crazy, but like that started somewhere, right? It's one of the best parts of our job. How many awesome coffees we get sent. Um, but well, Personally, I grew up in Berkeley, California, not very far from the original Pete's. And um, like, that's where we went. My parents were super into it. My parents were like these liberal hippies. And so, you know, they all, they gathered with their friends at Pete's and, and like sat me and my sister on bags of green coffee and talked to their friends. And so coffee was always like uh, present in my life. And this is like back when, before Pete's was, uh, as giant as it is now. Um, and so like this coffee was just sort of part of growing up. My parents always did pour overs when I was growing up, um, with, you know, the little plastic Melita cones and, uh, and then, you know, like my friends and I would cut school and high school and go get coffee and, then when I went off to college, I would take these like five pound bags of pre-ground peats with me and I'd be like, I totally know coffee. <laughs> and, um, and it was kind of ridiculous, so but, awesome. uh, yeah. So put them in my freezer, you know, um, and that continued and, you know, I enjoyed good coffee, but seriously, like wasn't going to a million cafes. There weren't that many. And, um, and when I moved to, when we started Barista Magazine, actually, no, wait, it was when I started at Fresh Cup and Karen Foley, the editor at the time, um, who now runs Imbibe Magazine, she took me to my first cupping and it was with Dwayne Sorensen at Stumptown. And that was my first cupping. And that was in, what, 2002. And Dwayne started Stumptown in 99. So it was like all still super early. And then from there, it just like took off. And I don't know... What was your background in coffee? When Sarah started at uh, Fresh Cup, I did not drink coffee. I, hey, you just quit. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't drink anything with caffeine. It's really, uh, yeah, um, because I'm a Mormon. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I thought at that time. Well, yeah. So I was off of caffeine. I had had coffee before and. I went to college at the University of Washington in Seattle, so I had been exposed to some d 
decent coffee, although like my favorite was what the hell was that called? It was a little tin of international oh, delights or whatever they're called. And it was basically sugar and caffeine. Um, and then I had, I went to uh, a coffee shop just off the Ave, so just by the University of Washington, and I had a French press and drank the entire French press and, and uh, had these delightful shaking tremors. And I was like, well, that's probably helpful for studying. Anyway, so that's why I, uh, I decided I just was not interested in drinking caffeine. I thought it seemed uh, like it would be best to not consume it. And then Sarah started working at Fresh Cup, and uh, we went to Berkeley, and we went to a cafe called uh, Royal Coffee. It was actually in Oakland, I think. Yeah, now it's Cole Coffee. But and they had and they had probably. Uh, 30 bins of coffee and they asked what kind of coffee I wanted. We had gone in to get some co uh, cup and I was like, I have no idea. I just want some coffee. And for some reason, she, the barista served me uh, what I recognize now must have been a uh, naturally processed Ethiopian coffee. And I was like, what is this? This is not like any coffee I'd ever tasted before. You know, the, the strawberry notes were so strong and overpowering and it really was an eye-opening experience and that was really uh like when i when i had that i was like wow coffee really can be a lot of different things uh, and it's more than just a caffeine delivery vehicle and it, it changed my perspective on coffee when you guys decided that you're going to do this magazine and you started reaching out to people so you've got some experience with coffee at Zoka and being around that whole crowd. How did you start to reach out to the people that you interviewed? Um, these are people that you knew from around. You know, the first cover was Bronwyn, right? And yes, she was yes. working at what Heinz was it maybe then? Yes, she was. And this is all because Sarah is amazing and she is a super uh, friendly, sociable person. So, in other words, the opposite of me. And it was very beneficial. She had amazing contacts throughout the industry from her time at Fresh Cup and from her time at Zoka and also because of her background as a journalist. You know, as a journalist, you're constantly getting sources and interviewing people and making connections. And her talent and ability at doing that was not only, you know, uh, necessary to launch the magazine, but it has been the backbone on of our success because it's, again, the the number one thing here is that coffee is is more than a commodity. It's more than a drink. It's a it represents a community, and the the real strength of Sarah, one of them, is is her ability to uh, forge bonds within that community. And so, if you go back and look at like the the first uh, people we were putting on the cover, one is trolls. Uh, Polson, who was the WBC champion, and that was our second issue. And we realized that going into that, that we were going to, we have six issues a year, and we realized that we were going to have one issue a year where the, the barista we would focus on would be the world barista champion. Um, thank you, Ken, that you're 
far too humble. Actually, I remember when Ken went, his first big like aha coffee event experience was he went off to Norway for the Nordic Barista Cup in 2006. And, um, and it like, it was just him. We was like, we couldn't, it was 2005. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but like getting, you know, to know the community on a really intimate level. That's like my favorite events are the ones that are 200 people or fewer, um, where it's like not connected to a trade show and it's just like grassroots people coming together and having actual conversations. And that was until then he had just been to SCAA and coffee fest events, which are both good in their own ways, but they're not like that. So, um, so yeah, like it's just making the one thing actually, let me just say about um, this community and how we reached out to people is these are like my favorite kinds of people anyway. Um, like the the reason that it's so fun, we're not like doing a magazine about, you know, socket wrenches. We're doing a magazine about a an, an industry that's full of people <laughs> who are like so super smart and so fun and curious and like never satisfied with the answer that like they always want to go get something else i was just working on my editor letter for our next issue and i'm like when we started people would ask us like how much really is there that you can write about coffee or baristas or cafes and like, like five stories. we're we are nowhere near close to being done so. It's so interesting that that point of view, someone actually asked me that today at work because we were talking about stuff. I was making espresso or I'm working a couple of days a week and it came up that we had a podcast and they're like, well, don't you run out of stuff to talk about coffee in like five episodes? And I was like, oh, no, yeah. <laughs> which, you know, that's that's basically an invitation for myself and Jared or for you and Ken to just have that first point of contact and say, hey, it's it's bigger than what you think it is. That's you're in here. You love a cappuccino. That's great. There's a whole nother world out there. It's nuts. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, and that's why Barista Magazine is awesome. Like, it has become something. This craft is becoming a career. And at the time, it was a career for a select few, but that's becoming more and more the norm. And I think Barista Mag has a, a, a pretty legit portion of, of giving it cred. I mean, to have you guys put your time and your effort and your life into into talking and telling stories and, and whatever, being at all these events, you're showing whoever looks at this, which, you know, it's a coffee table magazine at some point. So somebody's going to walk into their friend who's a barista and be like, well, they do a magazine on this and they'll open it up and they'll start seeing all this stuff going on. They're like, you guys do all this? What? And it's like... Mm -hmm. That didn't used to be real. You you didn't have any access to that stuff. And yeah, Chris, it's like that story. You don't run out of things to talk about in five episodes. We got stuff to talk about forever. And that's the point. Mm -hmm. So thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um... You know, one of the things we did get uh, pushback from when we launched the magazine was the name. And uh, <laughs> they're like, does it, you know, but barista i don't know that doesn't seem like it's catchy enough or you know it's those are just kids so i mean that can't be a whole magazine and uh it's one of the best things i think we did was just calling it what it is and celebrating the people in the community by saying what are you talking you know this is barista magazine it is a magazine for and about baristas and uh that 
that's what we wanted to do and that's what we did and it's just funny sitting here talking about this just thinking about like uh when we heard people well i don't know i don't think we want to you know talking to potential advertisers or that especially early in the early years i, I don't know if we want to be in the barista magazine it doesn't sound professional enough or it's not catchy enough and our point was well it, these are the people who are defining the trends in the industry. These are people who are out there every day talking to consumers. And they're, these are the people that we're trying to reach. So that's uh, Sarah signaling that she'd like to cut in at this time. <laughs> um, well, I'm just remembering because like I've always done our ad sales and um, which like we do everything. Ken does. Ken's like chief light bulb changer, garbage taker outer. Um, printer toner <laughs> changer but like so one of the things I had to do is ad sales and so yeah talking to ad advertisers back then that was when like there weren't any equipment companies that would ask for input from baristas um, and now there are like these teams espresso machine companies each have teams that are developing new equipment and that's the way it should be um it should be that the people who get really passionate behind the bar are the ones who go on to open their own roasteries and cafes like it's and it's so absolutely amazing you guys know you guys have been around this industry for a long time like seeing people realizing their dreams is like the most extraordinary thing like you did it you went out Billy Wilson, you went out and you started a company and it is super successful. Baca and Truby, you guys starting Cat and Cloud. I mean, this is, it's absolutely amazing and thrilling and so awesome to see. Our success where is things TBD. are now. You go, Jer. <laughs> I said, our success though is TBD. Bill Will, tearing it up. It's TBD. <laughs> Bill Will's in the champion zone right now. We're in the looking forward to the future zone. Well, it it is it is fun, and I think uh, it's rewarding for Sarah and myself when we uh, Jared's here at our office, and we have all of the covers of all the issues we've done uh, through these now eleven years on the wall, and so we're reminded every day when we walk into the office of the baristas that we've uh, featured on the uh, cover of the magazine, and you know the community that we represent, and it's really it's it's a cool and humbling reminder to see all the people who have also been working in this industry as long or longer than we have and continue to be in here. And maybe they were, they started uh, on a lark or just by happenstance uh, working in a cafe, but looking at the people on the wall here, it's all people who have really carved out careers for themselves in uh, this industry. And, and that's really cool to see that uh, so many people have, like Sarah and myself now have been doing this uh, for more than a decade. And it shows the one, it shows how uh, inspiring and uh, rewarding an industry it is to work in. And two, it shows that we, our hunch uh, when we launched the magazine was right, that these people are not just uh, temporary members of the coffee community. These are people who are going to be here for the long haul. And the, the choices that they are going to make are going to have impacts on this industry. Yeah, it's like, oh, he's just a kid, but turns out kids grow up and do other stuff. Exactly. And, uh, you know, a lot of that stuff that you talked about, Sarah, is some of the 
I had that same experience. The first couple of trade shows I went to, I talked to equipment manufacturers who could not give a shit about what we thought. And I was like, man, that'd be cool if it did this. That'd be cool if we had that. And they're like, no, you're using it wrong. You would. This is not how coffee works. Like, you don't know anything. You're just a stupid little boy. And your <laughs> yeah, your little boy dreams are never going to be realized. And it was I remember. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go. Yeah, go. Well, I was just going to say, I remember being at a trade show in early days and hearing the owner of a company say to the people working in the booth, focus on the guys in suits. Don't talk to the people with hoodies and tattoos. Like, focus on the ones who are, who've got the money who are going to be making the buying decisions. And I was, like, just floored. But that's all changed now. Thank goodness. Dude, it's it's been a wild ride. What? For you guys, when you decided to launch, or even now, you're, I mean, you do have an online presence and you do a lot of stuff online. You update the blog pretty regularly. What is the draw to print media for you guys? Okay, Ken wants to answer this. Well, the, the tangibility of it, the fact that it exists uh, in, a, in three dimensions, you can hold it, you can uh, hand it to someone, you can keep it. We made another decision we made from our very first issue was we had a matte cover as opposed to a glossy cover, which meant as soon as you touched our magazine, it felt different from other magazines. Uh, we paid more to get a heavier uh, paper stock. We paid more to, um, and that was for the cover and the interior pages because we wanted to we wanted the magazine to feel like uh, something unique when you held it. And the when people, it's just natural uh, human behavior. When you touch something, you, be, you form a relationship with it, whether or not it's positive or negative. You have a relationship with that that is uh, different than the one that you get from seeing uh, ones and zeros translated on a, a screen of various sizes. And so that was... Uh, a very uh, purposeful choice we made. And I think it's been part of our success. And I just wanted to add to that, like it's also our readership. Um, our readers are the kinds of people who like cool, who like things, who like like the newest brewing device, or they're really into owning beautiful hardback books or records, or, you know, it's like, this is a community that collects things and, um, and people, I love it when people tell me that they're like, I have every issue and we keep them like in our little library at the store. And, um, and I mean, there is something about print that I'm drawn to for sure. And it just, it exists. And also, I don't know, I, it's a personal, um, it's a personal opinion, but like, there's just, there's some legitimacy to it. I, I don't know. I, we had, we do have a presence online where we're really proud of like how active we are in social media and, and we have our blog where we just try and keep the community updated on some things that are going on in between issues. Um, you can read the, and you can read the whole magazine online for free on our website at any time, by the way. Um, but, I don't know. Yeah, I just love print. Do you ever find yourself, you hear information all over the place, and I, I got to commend you guys. You guys do a really, really great job of being, going Switzerland on it and really not taking anybody's side. But I can only imagine 
hearing all the information and all the different philosophies and all the from all over the world right you guys get to hear information directly from sources on a level that most people in the world don't do you ever find yourself kind of collecting all this information and being like i feel like i've got the answer to something really special or or are you just like fully are you gonna write an expose one day (laughs) no do you find yourself just like getting philosophical in your mind like what if they did this and this and they have this great idea over there and what if we combine that idea and wherever in sweden with this idea over here and the Pacific Northwest with those crazy dudes from Cat and Cloud and all that, and you could come up with something, the super group of coffee or whatever. You know, do you do you find yourself going there? I find there are no answers, only more questions. Very Star Trek of you. <laughs> Dang. Matrix. But it's true. No, it's it's part of what it's part of the reasons why you have more than five episodes of your podcast. It's part of the reason why we can have a magazine that continues to get new information it's what is shocking to me uh other than how like ignorant sarah and i were from just how to run a small business when we launched is how ignorant everyone was and when it comes to coffee like it still it blows my mind that this is a multi-billion dollar industry and it has been for a hundred years or whatever or more and how little is really known and how much is still being discovered, you know, uh, whether it be health effects of drinking coffee, like, are you kidding me? That's never been studied. Nobody bothered to do that. Nobody bothered to look at, uh, genetics of uh, Arabica plants until the last, you know, handful of years, nobody bothered to do all these, uh, what's really interesting now, right? It was, we have all these different processing experiments going on. Nobody was investigating these things. Nobody was testing them. Uh, it was, uh, it was as though having a monoculture of Arabica plants weren't enough. We needed a monoculture of coffee and as far as consumption goes. And so to see the sort of, uh, investigations that are going on now to see the sort of uh, revelations that we get all the time just tells me that we're still just scratching the surface. So when I hear about different things going on in different localities, I, I don't draw conclusions from them as much as just I'm interested to hear because it, there are different solutions for different locations and there are different uh uh ideas of what's the best but there's no single answer sarah would like to say something now (laughs) well and just like uh people challenging what was held to be truth before like um you guys jared was just telling me about something you guys are going to be doing in your new cafe that i don't think anyone else is doing and like give it a try who knows if it's going to be like the most amazing thing ever and you know when you hear about things like like remember when we all heard about how um gmb was uh pre-grinding their doses and everyone was like what the fuck and you know like it works it actually that that's part of their customer service model so uh there's no there's no rule that um that can't be broken. It's deep. 
so deep. Wild hearts can't be broken. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to part one of the two-part series with Ken and Sarah of Barista Magazine. Hey guys, thanks for uh, waiting so long that Hondo's finally going on the menu. So go to our website, catandcloud.com, check out that bad boy, get yourself some tasty, tasty bean. Um, other than that, if you don't know, we have an Instagram, catcloudcoffee. Not cat and cloud, but catcloudcoffee. Check it out. We're putting up pictures of our build out on uh, Portola in Santa Cruz. Follow the hashtag 3600Portola and see how we're doing. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. If you ever have questions, info, catandcloud.com. And uh, on iTunes, you can hit us up. Rate, review, subscribe. Get more people listening to this bad boy. All right, y'all. Until next time. Ciao, ciao.